Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary. And my patron peeps, uh, thanks for keeping the show going, patrons. I couldn't do it without you. Uh, and let's get on with the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble, getting to sleep, trouble, staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake. Uh, whether it's uh, thoughts, uh, feelings, uh, physical sensations, it changes in time or temperature or uh, routine. You know, you might have shifts in the weather, work schedule, whatever it is. I'm here. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm taking this safe place. I'm, I'm smoothing it. I'm patting it. I'm rubbing it down. I'm ruffling it, fluffing it, and pulling it taut. Uh, taught. It's funny. Like, uh, how do you say what is a teacher? What a teacher did today on Long Island? Taught. You say. What? What, what did you do all day? Taught. Uh, sorry, that was just. A, it just popped in my head when I was thinking. Is taught and taught spelled the same way? And then I could hear uh, uh, some of my relatives from like Ronkonkoma say, you know, shout out from them. So shout out to Ronkonkoma. Yeah, uh, so where was I? Oh, uh, where was I? Oh, uh, oh, I'm, I have a safe place. Uh, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to send my voice across the deep dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing tones, creaky dulcets, yeah, pointless meanders. You know, stuff will come up, and then I'll get distracted. Even words like Ronkonkoma, that's not the most sleep, uh, like sleepy word, but it's not a bad word. It has a nice uh, flowing of syllables, Ronkonkoma, and I may not even be saying it right. Uh, uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm here to keep you company. I'm here to take your mind off of stuff, to distract you from whatever it is uh, that might be keeping you up, to, to give you a, a friendly a bit of banter to listen to. Now, if you're new, a few things. Structurally, the show starts off with a few minutes of business, and that's how we keep the show uh, free for, for hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, then we have uh, an intro. The intros are kind of a show within a show. It's actually part of the podcast. Uh, sometimes new listeners either they think it's something that's supposed to make sense, like a normal intro, or that it's an advertisement or something. No, it's just a friend, just your friend, your boyfriend trying to explain what the podcast is. Maybe talk about a couple of things that were on my mind, and you kind of go off topic a little bit, uh, where I'm supposed to be introducing what it is. So it's a, a lot of listeners use it as part of their wind down. You know, where they're getting ready for bed, getting into bed. You know, easing into the experience. Uh, for me, I, I literally have to schedule an hour wind down. Uh, and now that's not always enough. Uh, so this is like a 12 to 14 minute little wind down. Uh, some people use it. Uh, some people fall asleep during it. Like 2 or 3% of people skip it. A lot of people, uh, more and more people listen to it during the day. Either the intro or the podcast itself to kind of unwind 
Uh, so whatever it is, uh, the, the podcast, oh, that's the intro. <laughs> so that's the intro. Then there's some business, uh, and then there's the, the uh, story. Uh, like uh, tonight it'll be kind of a guided meditation uh, mixed with a little bit of nostalgia. Uh, so it's just structurally what to expect. As far as like, uh, like oh, rule, rules or stuff, here's the thing. Here's a couple of things. I'm not going to make much sense. So kind of easy, easily consume the podcast. I would compare it to a chewing oatmeal. And you might say oatmeal can't be chewed. And I'd say, well, it can be. It's just not a, you know, you could have chewy oatmeal. That's a different thing. But I'm saying, I think you know what I mean. And if you're a regular listener, you, you say, oh, yeah, listen to Sleep With Me is like chewing oatmeal. You, uh, that, that was right. That was Sleep With Me's catchphrase in twenty for 2019, maybe. It's like chewing oatmeal. And then, you know, most people see it. And then it's also, it's like feeling dumbfounded because you say, but you say, I, I, even though I don't know what you're talking about, I know exactly what you're talking about. So that's uh, how much listening you need to do and how much sense making this show is. I'd say it's a sensible nonsense, <laughs> like chewable. And again, I'm not saying chewy oatmeal. Chewy oatmeal is a different story. You'd say, what do you want me to do with this? Chew it or, you know, like mix more milk and then heat it back up? Or, um, you know, how come no one makes it? This is just a question that just popped in my head. But uh, so you have snowballs, right? And you have oatmeal, <laughs> two things you might think are unrelated, and oatmeal cookies. And then you have oatmeals. Oh, I guess there's oat cakes. I've seen oat cakes before. Uh, but I've never seen anyone throw an oatmeal ball. Not, not that it's a good idea, kids. Don't do it. I mean, don't throw it at another person or anything considered private property. And also ask the Internet if birds can eat oatmeal. But you maybe throw it a tree or somewhere where a forest friend could eat it. Because uh, I was just thinking if I, like, the times I've, like, uh, been in a place that serves, like, large amounts of oatmeal to large amounts of people... It can get into that chewy form factor, which is just a, like ballable material. I mean, obviously not if you're going to be shaking hands with business people later. Uh, but otherwise, I think you can picture it with me. And let's do it as a little exercise if you need a little exercise. Take that oatmeal. And it's just above room temperature, above body temperature, but not just one or two degrees above body temperature. Oh, it's nice in the hands. Uh, and it is that uh, it's no, there's nothing leaking out of it. It's just so it's in a gelatinous state, but it never gets any credit for being gelatinous. Also, someone remind me in the future that's another podcasty word, gelatinous. And we're, we're we're forming it into a ball. It does want to be in a ball. It also is somewhat formless. It likes the position it's in between our palms. Our cup, we're cupping, we're cupping a meat. You say, what are you, what's in your hands? Here's something that only, the only time this was answered was when a teacher probably asked it to me. He said, what's in your hands? Uh, I'm, I'm cupping an oatmeal ball, an oat ball. Uh, and he said, this teacher said, I'm sorry, what are you doing? I'm cupping oatmeal. Well, it's not oatmeal anymore. It's an oat ball because uh, it's more, 
No, never mind. I'll just go to. I'll just go talk to uh, uh, sister, sister uh, the, the, the head of man. You know. Yes. Uh, yes. I know. But here we are. We're cupping our oat ball. Because oatmeal ball, just like Ryan Conkema has the right amount of syllables, something about oatmeal ball has the wrong amount of syllables. That'd be something you go to dressed in a gown made of oatmeal. And I would love to be your date to the oatmeal ball. Or if you live on an oats collective or, you know, you live in a, like a, a culture with an oat-based economy or heavily dependent on oats, you'd say, well, yeah, what, what do you think we have every year? We have, like, that's how we kick off the breakfast season, the oatmeal ball. Oh, well, I was picturing something more idyllic where uh, children chasing, chase one another with balls of oats or of oatmeal or something that's made of oats that was once oatmeal. So basically cooked oats in water where most of the water has been absorbed. Some of it may have entered as water vapor into the air. And they chase one another around, uh, throwing them, not at one another, unless we can determine that there's a way to do that uh, where it just feels good. And it would probably be good for your skin, actually. Now, what am I thinking? If you put on some goggles, uh, maybe this is a new thing. Maybe this could be at my spa, Scoots' spa. I know I've talked about other spa ideas before, and uh, I can't think of any right now, but uh, this could be another thing. It could be really good. If I had like a, I guess I'd need more of a spring, spa and natural springs. And you'd say, oh, yeah, you could head down. Before you head down to the natural spring, you know, we'll have opal uh, fun, an opal toss. And, uh, you know, then make sure that, that you have it within the designated area. And then even maybe I guess we'd have to check with the, the man, you know, our, our my other partners in this business to see if that's a good idea for people cover, covered in oats to get into the hot spring. It, I would say holy exfoliation, you know, when you get in there. And I, I mean, that would be nice. Like, And then you get a loofah or something, you're rubbing the oats in and then you're rubbing them off. And also your body is now like a bit like a runner's high. You've been throwing oat balls at one another. So you worked it up. Could be, you know, it could also be, you know, we have rooms for two if you catch my drift. Uh, if, you find, if you find throwing oats titillating, uh, you know, probably you're the one for me. I guess that's because they there's someone for everyone. Uh, and we could go to the oat ball together. Maybe just an oat-themed weekend, and uh, I guess I've gone, I've lost my oats. Uh, so where was I? So saying you don't need to listen to this podcast, you don't need to make any sense of it. Uh, there's also no pressure to fall asleep. I'm going to be here for about an hour to keep you company uh, with a little journey into the past uh, tonight. So, yeah, that's it. The reason I make this show is because I've been there. If it's your first few times listening, give the podcast a couple tries. It doesn't work for everybody. Uh, it's a little bit different, um, but give it a few tries and see if it does, because it's free and it's here to help. Uh, so, so uh, and, you know, and I, I really, truly believe you deserve a good night's sleep without the pressure of falling asleep. I think that's the kind of what this podcast is about. And if it doesn't work for you, you can email me. I could give you some other options. Uh uh, but I really want to help. I work really hard on this show. I yearn and I strive to help you fall asleep. Uh, thank you so much for coming by.
And here's a couple of ways we keep the show going. All right, everybody. Tonight's episode is a little bit different. It'll be a little, maybe a little bit of a guided meditation uh, with a trending a trapper, trending trapper keeper guided meditation. I think. Yeah, like, uh, but let me explain what a trapper keeper is, because not everybody was uh, in school in the '80s. If you were, you probably know what a trapper keeper is, or if you were a parent of some a child in the '80s. Uh, or if you've watched retro 80s uh, TV shows or movies. Uh, but it doesn't really ma- matter because it's going to be a nice uh, guided meditation. But Trapper Keeper, according to Wikipedia, was a brand of loose-leaf binder created by Mead. Uh, it was popular in the United States, Canada, and parts of Latin America from the 70s to the 90s. And featured sliding pra- pla- plastic rings, which I can't figure out in my mind. Uh, instead of the standard snap-closed metal binder rings. Uh, folders and pockets to keep, to keep schoolwork and papers in a uh, wraparound Velcro enclosure. At one point, it was a snap enclosure, and they had different designs on them, uh, which were, that's going to guide our guided meditation tonight. It was invented in the late 70s by E. Bryant Crutchfield, the director of New Ventures at Mead Corporation. And I'll kind of describe my version of memory of it. But it got its name because it was sold in combination with pocket folders designed by Mead called Trappers. So it was folders, instead of being vertical, they were horizontal maybe. Uh, they differed from other pocket folders because uh, the three sides connected with the bottom, outside edge, and top, as opposed to the bottom, outside edge, and spine of the folders. And that's what kept them, uh, like it wouldn't fall, your papers wouldn't fall out. I guess before this, there was a rash, uh, a, a marketing-created rash of papers falling out at school. Uh, the, they could go in any three-ring binder, the trapper, keeper folders, uh, I guess that was the trapper. Oh, those were trappers, and the trapper keeper was the um, the binder. Uh, let's see. Yeah, three years after it had a Velcro strap, uh, and uh, designer series from '88 to '95. Uh, even had a deal with Lisa Frank, Garfield, Sonic. I guess it came out again in 2009. In 2014, another one came out, Snapper Trapper. Uh, and uh, even 2015. So, so it gets rebooted every once in a while. Uh, there's an amazing article by Aaron McCarthy over at Mental Floss from, uh, and it was uh, first came out September 1st, 2017. And I'll link to that in the show notes. A really extensive history of the development of the Trapper Keeper and stuff like that. So if you're really interested, uh, you can check that out. I really, really enjoyed reading the article. It talks yeah, about all the ideas uh, and some of the marketing and stuff. But I'll talk about my personal experience really quick, and then I'll get into the uh, guided meditation parts. So for me, I'm the oldest of six kids, right? And I remember, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know I wasn't a good student, and I had trouble at school. And also my parents had to buy school supplies for six kids. Uh, Now, I did have trapper keepers, uh, 
I either I may have had one or two in my life, uh, and I think I had like an original, um, not not the first round, but I remember having like a generic blue one. Uh, but that may have just been the the time because I don't know if I actually did have a generic blue one or that was just the most prevalent look. Uh, but I'm pretty sure I did have a, like a, a generic navy blue one. And, oh, so I should explain, even though they did it. So it was a very, very, it was a fad. I don't know if they, I don't think they have fads anymore. They call them something, they call it going viral. Now, now, it used to be called a fad. It used to be called a fad by adults, but to kids, it was just what are the, all the other kids had. Uh, so, and in, in, in the Mental Floss article, it talks about, yeah, your first experience with conformity. Uh, but at the same time, though, like it, it was actually a brilliant piece of manufacturing and marketing. Because here's the thing: you got your three ring binders. Even my daughter today, she has a regular three ring binder. And there's a couple issues with that. One, it, for a kid like me, it, it just will. Uh, it's uh, not self-contained. So if it's shoved in your backpack, it could easily open and close. If stuff could go in between the binder. It, where the trapper keeper sealed up like a portfolio, and I mean now you see adults with their, uh, or you used to with like their. Um, there was even a st- store at the mall that sold this stuff uh, from one of the efficiency experts. Uh, but basically, trapper keeper was a binder that closed all the way up. Uh, and here's another thing that I really liked about it. Now that I'm talking about it, was it was a, uh, it was one thickness. The other thing with three ring binders is. Uh, it's not one thickness. It's wedge-shaped, uh, and for someone as unbalanced as me, I don't need any, I don't need any help. Uh, I say thank you. I can't, I don't like. I have nothing. I like, probably do have some wedge-shaped things on me, uh, but nothing else that goes in a backpack uh, that I know of, uh, other than is that is wedge-shaped, other than the the three-ring binder, because you got books and notebooks. And if you have uh, spiral notebooks, you got to um, balance those. But so the Trapper Keeper was a binder. It had folders that the papers supposedly didn't fall out of. I'll be honest, I'm not even sure I've ever used a folder in my lifetime. You say, Scoots, like, what's the average folder usage, like, in equivalency of human hours for a normal uh, a person who grew up in the United States between uh, 1980 and 1997? And they'd say, well, the equivalency in human lifetime is at 12.5 hours. Uh, I spent like eight minutes of my life using folders. Uh, I'd say, well, what do we need to, like, it just, just, I guess it was just like uh, a friction for me. So we got to get it in there, got to get it out. Uh, but the Trapper Keeper did offer some advantages. One, the stuff didn't fold, fold out of the folder. But for someone like me, even though I didn't use the folders, if if it if I did it, it was kind of like a like a not exactly like this but a it was kind of like a, a like a, a birth protection for your uh, your school stuff uh, because like your folders would be in a trapper keeper protected when it went into your backpack because uh, for me anything that went in my backpack that was not hardened material. Uh, like for other, like they should test stuff. They should, when I was a kid, I could have tested stuff that was going to like the bottom of the ocean or the Antarctic or other planets.
They said, we're going to send some school supplies to the outer moons of Jupiter. Uh, and they say, well, is that a quiz on the names of those moons? Like maybe Io, is that one of them? Correct. Uh, yes. Uh, and we're looking to test some school supplies to send out there. So we were wondering if you could test them. But you seem to have already uh, destroyed them. Just And I say, yeah, I'm good at that. Uh, you got to make them harder. You have, do you have any trapper keepers headed to, to uh, Jupiter's outer moons? Uh, so it was a binder that protected your school supplies. And it was supposed to make you more organized. And there was notebooks you could keep in there in addition to your folders. Because, again, I say... Uh, uh, this was just my school philosophy. If if they were handing it out at school, it was uh, it was it was crumbling it up normally. Yeah, so I wasn't good at like I just didn't have the discipline. I and mean, this is like I'm making light of it, but I do like retro, like uh, looking back, say, well, I wish I at least had the discipline to put things in my folder where they belonged, and then to take them back out. You know, I have started to desire that as as an adult. Uh, a little more organization and predictability. But I didn't have that when I was a kid. And also, uh, the other thing was, and this is just, uh, this isn't, um, so I had a lot of trouble at school, and it was really, it would be really um, not the greatest of time when it became report card time around my house, so for me, uh, because my grades were almost never good, like, uh, because I just wasn't a good student. And so, um, and a lot of times it was, whatever, it was just, uh, we were always looking for solutions. Uh, uh, my parents were hoping, you know, that uh, at some point I would become a good student. And I was hoping at some point school would just go away. Or that we were all kind of hoping, I mean, realistically, like most human beings, like that there would be an easy solution or that things would fix themselves or naturally, organically solve themselves. And that didn't always work. So there was always different attempts to motivate me, especially when the report card came. And also would probably regulate my own parents' feelings about this. Uh, because I'm sure, like, now that I'm an adult, there's, like, a large range of emotions you have around this stuff as adults, too. I mean, I think my parents were probably clear with me. They say, like, I'm clear with my, I say, I, I'm maybe your parent, but I really don't know what I'm doing. Other than, you know, keeping, you know, I can keep, I, I can keep the, you know, make sure you get fed and drink water. And the rest of it, I'm, you know, I'm just doing my best. And my parents were doing that at the time. And, and so I think they were a bit vexed, to, to use a uh, word, uh, uh, so there's vexing on how to motivate their kids. Now you also have six kids, uh, without an, and you don't have an unlimited budget. So getting kids school supplies, and every kid wants the cool school supplies. Like who, who wouldn't? And I think my parents did the best. Like I said, I, I'm sure I had a couple trapper keepers. I know I had lunch boxes. So while we m- might not have had the the first trapper keeper or you know the fam- whatever, my parents uh, did. Uh, it tried to help us out. It just wasn't always an early adopter. And so, like I said, I'm pretty sure, I don't remember in grammar school, I don't even remember what year Trapper Keepers were big. I just have a vague, nostalgic memory of them uh, and, and a couple images. But I do know, that, like, so it might not even have been until, uh, like, middle school. 
but I do have this one very, very specific memory tied to Trapper Keepers that was in grammar school. And the memory could go one of two ways, is that I already had a Trapper Keeper, but it was getting old, uh, which I definitely have that memory. Like, they were, like, uh, this isn't, a, like, a buy-it-once item. Like, it's a buy-it-once-every-school-year-or-every-other-school-year. And so I do remember that not just mine, but other kids' Trapper Keepers would quickly wear down and the plastic would start to split and stuff. Uh, so let's assume that I had a Trapper Keeper at the time, but it was, uh, maybe it wasn't brand new, though it could have been brand new or I may not have had a Trapper Keeper. And what happened was at some point I got the report cards and usually, I don't know what went on behind the scenes with my parents are trying to deal with these report cards, right? But, uh, at this this stage, I think my dad was trying to turn over a new leaf or something. He was trying to come up with a new strategy, right, to to deal with my uh, lack of what they saw as lack of motivation. And also, like a lot of us, or at least like me in particular, you know, I'm similar to my father. Like uh, a quest for certainty. Like, what can I do that's within my control that that will give us a so easy solution here? Like, uh, and something that's exciting and feels good. And, like, a lot of it was disorganization, one of the big issues I had. And so I remember I thought my dad was going to be pretty upset at whatever it was or that there was going to be more fallout. But he said to me, let's go down to Faze Drugs. That was a drugstore by us, uh, F-A-Y apostrophe S drugs. And it was normally one of the places you went and got school supplies, either Faze or um, Kmart, right? And my dad took me to Faze to, to get it. He said, let's get in. You know what we'll do is we'll get you organized and we'll get you like a trapper keeper or something similar. And so we went to trapper keeper and this must have been, and I try, I couldn't find this on the internet. And I didn't do a ton of digging, uh, but there seemed to be at some point like, a, well, yeah, couldn't find this on the internet. Now this wasn't a trapper keeper competitor. I'm pretty sure this was made by Mead. But it was like another attempt at the Trapper Keeper market, like a, a faux competitor. Uh, and I don't know if it was called, the, like, I want to call it the Magnum. I don't know why, but uh, it was something exactly like a Trapper Keeper, but slightly different. And, uh, was, like, it, this is just my memory, but I'm sure this happened. Uh, where I said, now maybe we went to get a Trapper Keeper. And I said, well, I went to one, like, with this one, and they didn't have it. But they did have this other version of it. And that also helped me because I always wanted to be a little bit different, right? Uh, and so we got this thing, and we were kind of excited. And maybe it didn't have the trapper folders. I don't know what the, the difference was. Like this was the endo trapper or something. I, I don't know what it was. But, uh, the, the, the I mean, I know there was in my research a trapper keeper competitor called tabs or something. I don't think this was that. I think it was, uh, the same branding and stuff, but I could be wrong. Uh, but so we got this thing and then we said, this is it. This is going to solve everything. This, uh, this new thing, I'm going to be organized. I'm going to get my work done. I'm not going to have difficulty with my penmanship or, uh, math or teachers or authority figures you know, I'm not going to eat anybody's diorama, which I tended to do, and those kind of things. Now, did it work? I don't think it did, but uh, 
And I can't picture what that one was, but I remember the excitement. I wanted that, like it was uh, this effort by my father to take a new tactic. And it was somewhat, some, somewhat a case of magical thinking, but the magical thinking we all kind of take part in to say, hey, if we just get this uh, the right organizer, we'll be organized, which I fall into all the time because there partially is some truth in there. So that's why it can be so tempting, at least for me. And at least I had something nice to be excited about at school, you know. So uh, I guess that's where my affinity for, I guess my affinity is always like, what is this nostalgia? You know, it's so, nostalgia is such an interesting thing. And maybe for those of you that are younger or a little bit uh, like of a different generation that miss this somehow, you might look at this like, uh, what an interesting thing. You, you, uh, you Generation Xers and... Uh, you know, late, you know, whatever, uh, you know, all the late millennials or whatever, early, I guess you'd be the early millennials. You're really like uh, otherworldly beings with trapper keepers and stuff. Uh, uh, but so the one thing about it was they were very distinctive. Like I said, at first they came in these primary colors or you could always get them in these primary colors. Uh, but you could also get them in a bunch of different colors. And so, uh, I don't know. I, want, I thought we'd take a little journey uh, and see how it went if we went. And we we kind of had a journey inspired by some of the art on the Trapper Keeper binders. So I want you to take a, a restful breath and say uh, that it's uh, the keepers, you know, the keepers of sleep is the first stage as we cross over. Uh, we're crossing over from... Uh, uh, you know, dusk at night, and that is the place of the green flash. A great green flash that everyone talks about that most people miss because you've already drifted from uh, across, you know, from the daytime to the nighttime through the evening. Uh, some might even call it the evening shade. And to greet us on that side of the evening shade to welcome us to this nether, I guess it's not a nether world, a new world uh, where dreams are slowly created. Our three uh, gatekeepers, three puppies, is so cute. You couldn't even, you would squeal and squee at the same time. Uh, they're sitting there waiting for us. Uh, well, that's a question I have. They're sitting there waiting but they're not looking at us as we arrive. Uh, and that's a great, uh, uh, this is a great legend that I lead you to, the classical legend of the three puppies of behind the green flash. Uh, that the green flash is actually a glimpse because they're in this great green field. But we never see the puppies because it's just a flash and the green is the dominant color, but there's three puppies uh Watching over now, the the thing goes that they're sniffing everything, and uh, you know that that if you need it, they'll be peppering you with kisses. Uh, but for most people, the comforting presence of these three cuties is uh, like comforting. You know enough. You say, "Oh boy, they they got like uh, that." Uh, I don't know what kind of puppies they are, but they have hair that's wavy but not curly. 
that they're furry without being shaggy. And the three of them are nestled together, and they're just looking to our left. You'd never know why, unless you were in a classroom, and they'd be looking at the person to the left of you, seeing what they're doing. Oh, those three puppies of the green flash. Uh, Frederica, uh, Zoni, and Chachi, of course, uh, the three famous uh, puppies of the green flash. Uh, and that carries us in, and you always want to think about uh, as the colors change, you know, as the sun is setting, the sky, as we drift away, and it's a kind of a purpley sky, right? Uh, and it's also mood, and it's kind of mood where you can hear ocean breezes. Uh, you could feel the feeling like the sun is always setting, I don't know if that's a Jimmy Buffett song, but it could be. Or if there's a Jimmy Buffett song about the green flash or the moments before it. Uh, But this mood is like the green flash, like palm trees, or before it. We've crossed over past the, the setting of the sun, but with the spirit of the sunset, uh, you know, clouds on the horizon, palm trees swaying, a vacation, vacation type uh, uh, spirits. And you say, I'm going to head off to those clouds, as a matter of fact. I want to get closer to those clouds uh, where they feel, where it could feel like I'm taking off into the blue sky. Oh, blue sky welcoming me. Uh, calling me in. And what do we see when we're up there above the clouds? Uh, we see that, well, strangely enough, where we've gotten to, it's not nighttime anymore. It's a cartoony daytime. So sweet uh, and so nice. Uh, there's uh, a perfect blue above us. The puffy clouds were now lying on, relaxing. We feel so grounded and close, uh, and we say to ourselves, Roy G. Biv, that's what we always say when we, uh, when we first, uh, see us like a rainbow up above and the rainbow goes so far. You say, are we on like one of those rainbow levels on Mario Kart even? Cause I feel like I could drive on this rainbow. Uh, but we feel our spirit even buoyed more, like as if it was buoyed from helium. And not just any helium, the helium of Roy G. Biv Rainbow. Because as we get closer, we pick out some shapes on the end of the rainbow. And we say, wait, somewhere over the rainbow, we're at the base of a rainbow in the clouds. Uh, where are we going to go next? Oh, over the rainbow? But we see at the base of this rainbow uh, balloon hearts of every color, Roy, red, uh, oh, 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 orange, uh, yellow, G, green, uh, blue, and of course indigo and violet get ripped off and combined into one. Uh, we see them there welcoming us, and we rest on the clouds uh, 
And actually, we feel, you know, we've traveled between worlds now, so we curl up in the clouds and rest. Uh, we feel the pushy poofiness against our skin. We kind of notice it. We say, well, we, I was just calling that sky blue before. But uh, now that I'm noticing, it's many, many shades of blue. And there's even something in that sky that's maybe like somewhere between a sky blue and a slate blue. And we start to think of it, and we start to think of magazines of the 80s, uh, uh, magazines with heart throbs, uh, uh, like uh, one magazine was called Tiger Beats. And we say, why did they come up with that name? But now we see the beautiful. We say, first there was puppy cat, puppy dogs. Now there's a regal cat, a T-I-G-E-R, looking at us so calmly from afar. And we know that we're not in an earthly realm. Uh, so we have crossed over. So this is both metaphorical and real. It's sitting there on a rock, uh, and you say, when was it, this thing, it might be magic hours still up here, because this cat, its oranges are just popping. While the sky, sky behind it is a bit cloudy, we look at this tiger. I don't know, we're just kind of amazed. Uh, there's something warm about it. There's something that uh, inspires our safety and our confidence in ourselves. Where we say, okay, okay, I get it, I, I like it, I, I'm, I'm feeling good here. I am feeling good. And the tiger kind of waves us along, which is just a move of her head into the gray cloud behind her. We travel and we say, man, this is relaxing through the gray clouds, uh, gentle on our skin. The temperature nearly perfect. Uh, we next to see ourselves looking down at a mossy, mossy ground. And uh, two more uh, beings welcoming us. Uh, two kittens, uh, two kitty cats waiting for us. Uh, maybe again, unlike the tiger, but like the puppies, they're not making eye contact with us. Uh, one kitten is looking in the other direction, and we say, well, maybe they were checking as we were crossing over the threshold to make sure it was just us. Uh, the other kitten is kind of looking at our shoes or looking at our feet, and we say, wait a second, yeah, our feet are now firmly planted on some mossy ground. And we take in these two kittens. Uh, we, I, I, I don't know what a tabby cat is, but I want to use the word tabby cat uh, just to say it. Yeah, but they have a lot of white fur on them. Very, very pretty kitties, if you don't mind me rhyming and saying that. Uh, some browns and grays and dark browns and dark grays and blacks. Uh, light, uh, 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 like, uh, what are you, almost like a khaki spray uh, and different parts of their white underbellies. And we pass them eventually and go into the green mossy ground, which again turns into grass. Uh, and then we hear a galloping, a galloping towards us and around us, uh, 
of a beautiful, beautiful horse. A horse without a saddle. A horse without reins. A horse, I don't know if it's been through the desert, and this is definitely not a horse with no name. For this horse tells me in a whisper, she's the keeper uh, and the trapper, but not just of, of folders and papers, but of our concerns, and she runs around us. Uh, I don't know if do, do horses have a mane or they have something else, uh, but she's got a long black tail and whatever, like a, not a colt, but she has that hair. I don't think that's a mane. I think it's called something, but that's black, and she's a dark, a dark brown. Uh, two out of her four legs are uh, white, the other two uh, brown to black. She has a white uh, spot of fur or hair between her eyes. And she runs around us, and we feel our heart lifting like those balloons on the rainbow. Uh, she's carrying them off. Uh, all our needs for efficiency uh, or, or our, our ruminations about it are carried away as she trots, trots, trots around us. Uh, kind of like she's trot, trot, trotting away with everything that we'd say, well, I'm kind of thinking about this or that. Uh, uh, no more as, uh, as she trots off and we walk deeper and deeper across uh, this plain where suddenly the uh, elevation starts again. We find ourselves at the edge of an alpine lake. And uh, there's a big pine trees, and at the distance is a rising. I don't know if it's a hill or a mountain, but it has uh, uh, some green trees and some trees whose colors just started to change. Uh, I guess it maybe is autumn up here, wherever we are. Uh, a beautiful mountain vista. We stick our feet in the water, and it's cool without being cold. And somehow we managed to just take our shoes and socks off and half a towel and find a log without even knowing it that we sit there on. We think about the kitty cats we left behind, the royal regal cat, the puppy dogs, the horse, and the rainbow. And we wonder what's next. Uh, and there was, we think about the movie Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And as we start to ponder uh, The Wizard of Oz and uh, our fragmented memories about it or a total recall, as some people might have, uh, hot air balloons it goes over the mountain and starts to uh, slowly descend towards us. And it's a beautiful hot air balloon, uh, diamond shapes, uh, yellow and white, and then a Roy G. Biv, uh, uh, but in a different, it goes like a diamond pattern around its widest uh, circumference. Red, yellow, light green, dark green, light blue, dark blue, uh, purple, red, orange, or deep orange, deep red. And we say, wait a second, red, orange, yellow, a G in two different color Gs, like a yellow, green, and then a green 
And finally, we see uh, that there is a blue Roy G. Biv, a blue indigo and violet up here on this balloon. We say, well, finally, Roy G. Biv, we say that rainbow, you couldn't see it. Uh, there wasn't enough shading or gradation. Or maybe my eyes didn't see it, but I see it here now. And the balloon gets closer. We hear that uh, sound. We maybe saw, you know, where it, uh, it it fills the balloon, a nice sound of uh, warming air. We feel the air warm around us. And the next thing we do, we're st- stepping into the balloon. And we say, how you doing, uh, balloon? And there's a person tending the balloon, and they just smile. They are balloon person. Uh, but it makes sense. You say, maybe this is a dream. It's a dream come true, the balloon person says to us. And we say, where are we going? And they say, across uh, the other side of the lake, the other side of this hill. Uh, the hills are alive up there. And we say, okay, like, is that over the rainbow? I guess we're under the rainbow, technically, because the hot air balloon is its own rainbow. And the balloon, rain, balloon, balloon caretaker says, uh, you never know. And we head up a mountain, and, and eventually we land at a, there's a lot of grass up here. It must have been the 80s. That was peak grass days, I think. Uh, we see Mount White, uh, snow-capped peak mountains uh, just beyond us. And it is something like one of those mountain-based uh, movies, but it's very cartoony around here, too. There's the grassy fields leading up like... Uh, You'd say, well, this feels like Switzerland in the movies or something. And as we start to climb, we just started walking. We see actually a field of poinsettias or poinsettias. Uh, not sure how to pronounce them to our right. And we think, huh, is that where they grow? Do they really grow up on mountaintops? And we realize, well, we're not really on a mountaintop. Uh, and every once in a while, the grassy... A grassy hill, I guess, that we're on is broken up by little bits of rock uh, sticking up through it. As we go a little bit further on, we see a bush uh, with little red berries on there. And we see, I wonder if those are poinsettia, berry, poinsettia berries or poinsettia berries. And just beyond that bush is rolling hills up to the mountain peaks beyond it. And we hear the swoosh of water, not a waterfall, but a series of small waterfalls uh, leading down to a brook or a stream. And the stream gently becomes uh, like uh, lazy and gentle after the waterfalls. We sit there and we breathe in the mountain air and watch the water flow. It's very hypnotic, watching moving water, and you start to watch it so long. You say, is it moving, 
or is it not? Are they just exchanging molecules or are all the molecules moving in a motion? And, well, I don't know. That's a pretty deep question. I really don't know the answer to that question. You see, I'm probably better off not asking it at all then. We kind of just take in and we see this is kind of marshy up here. Maybe this is a bit like the highlands. Uh, you know what would make this better? And then we hear some music, some music, a bit like a musical yodel, but nothing like a yodel, just it feels like a yodel, a calming uh, sound, like an undulation of uh, like a carousel-type music, uh, but done in a yodeling fashion. Let me see, if I've fallen asleep here on the grass, because... The sky opens up like a little bit of a piece of paper, like some mystical force is tearing open the paper, and through it start to flow giant heart balloons, uh, very similar to the balloons we had seen earlier, but in more complementary colors than the colors of Roy G. Biv. Uh, kind of like the complementary colors on the on the balloon we were just on, like a lighter red, a lighter orange, a pink, a light green. And the balloons uh, float all around us. Uh, and we think about the love uh, that surrounds us that just needs to be noticed, uh, just like here, the mountain peaks, the grassy hills, the uh, poinsettia-type plants. Uh, the flow of water, and we, we really start to relax even further, uh, just listening to the floating of the hearts around us, uh, uh, booing our spirits. But then we hear uh, something else, uh, uh, something nice. It's a meowing of uh, more kittens. And we say, okay, uh, somewhere nearby are some kittens meowing. And we can already tell it's three kittens meowing. We see, well, earlier we saw two kittens, I think. Uh, three puppies and two kittens uh, equals cute. But we hear three kittens now, and we walk a few steps, and there in the grass, it's not a tisket, it's not a tasket. It's a, a basket full of three kittens. And these kittens, uh, two of them are looking right at us, uh, and meowing, there's some cute uh, uh, pink flowers that look like bows uh, growing nearby. Uh, the top left kitten is uh, looking to our left. At, you know, it's looking at plants and, and, and forest friends. Uh, but these kittens have the biggest, you'd say, even red-letter Disney eyes, you probably you could say. But we see our own essence of kitten reflected back at us. We say, okay, yeah, there's something cute and vulnerable inside me like this too. Uh, something that would meow. And then we notice we've uh, supplied them with saucers of milk. Uh, and the kittens are lapping up the milk as if hearts are still floating around us. Uh, the hearts are still settling down. And after the kittens are full of milk, they get in the basket and they cuddle up together. 
Oh, these kittens are extra. They look like they just got blown dry. They're so puffy and cute. And we even pet them and they purr. And we pet them some more and they purr. And then we hold the basket and we gently move it and they purr together. And they also kind of climb on one another to look at And we say, that is so cute. Uh, when I walk with the basket, they're climbing on each other to look out the sides of the basket. And we tell them where we've been on an adventure, with, you know, or more of a journey, I guess. It wasn't, a, like I say, it's a pretty mellow, uh, passive experience. Uh, all our efficiencies were trapped and kept by a, a gracious horse. And we say we're pretty happy about that. It really was easy to do. And where we then we say, well, where are we supposed to bring you, kitty cats? Uh, and then we hear something else. It's a buzz. Uh, and we say, okay, that buzz is mechanical or electric. Uh, it's not like the flowing of the water or the meowing of the kittens. It's mechanical in a different way than the heating of the hot air of the hot air balloon. And again, we feel the air kind of shift and change colors. And things start to get interesting. We say, okay, maybe we are in another world. Because uh, what we see begins to flow in pinks and blacks and sky blues and purples. And we just walk towards it. We know we have a basket of kittens with us. And that feels pretty nice. And we're carrying them along step by step towards the buzzing. And as we cross the next uh, hill, we look and the sky is covered by a giant neon heart. Uh, hot pink and buzzing. And we say, okay, this is pretty good. We walk towards it uh, with the kittens. And we know, okay, this is where these three cute kittens belong. A giant neon heart. As we walk down, we realize it's like a wall. A giant wall, not attached to anything. Uh, flowing with the, the power of uh, love, I guess. If, if Huey Lewis was here, uh, that might be what would be sung. But right now it's the power of the kittens, and we still hold up the basket of the kittens. And the next thing we know, a, a kitten hand reaches, a cat hand reaches down, mama cat, uh, and scoops up the basket with the kittens in it and pulls them up uh over and out of our view, into the heart, into the neon heart. And then the neon heart kind of starts to pulsate, just like it was beating. And then we hear a voice that says, Thank you. Thank you for bringing the kittens. I hope you enjoyed this journey. Is there anything you would like in return for bringing the kittens here? And we think, well, our, 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 uh, our keepers were trapped and our traps were kept uh, by the horse. That was very nice. And this was a nice journey here, uh, really relaxing and calming. 
but I, I would like to slide down the rainbow. If I can't see what's over the rainbow, I would love to slide down the rainbow. And the heart says, consider it done. And the next thing we know, we're sitting there on a rainbow. But we're also secure. We realize that the rainbow, we're not going to, the rainbow is going to slide and we're not. And somehow that makes it like, I don't know why it's more comforting, but it just is. uh, And we begin to move with a rainbow that's more like a ribbon than just a rainbow. We move back uh, and we see the kittens, all five of them, playing and climbing on one another to look at us on our rainbow. We see the puppies. We see the tiger. We see the horse and we see, you know, whatever else we met, uh, Roy G. Biv, uh, all those things. And we slide further and further down uh, and and we uh, end up back in the clouds. Uh, We land in a bed of rainbow-colored clouds with balloons that are like pillows around us. And we snuggle in there, uh, so comfortable and so comforted. And we get comfortable and we drift, uh, drift off into dreamland. Good night.